You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So today, we're just going to continue what we were doing yesterday. It would be a little bit weird to just kind of leave it hanging there. And as far as preparing for the 49ers, usually I start that on Friday, Saturday. Maybe I do Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But whatever, we're doing Friday, Saturday this week because I got other stuff to do. Maybe we'll take a look at at least the injury report because that's kind of significant, I suppose. Kind of the big storyline going into the game, actually. Bottom line is it's going to be a tough game either way, but they've got several key players that are on the bubble as far as whether or not they're going to be playing. And the Packers are perfectly healthy. Only two people didn't practice, and it's just veteran rest. So every single person um, seems to be healthy. I mean, there's a couple limiteds, you know, Devante, but these are all very precautionary and trying not to re-injure lingering things. But um, no, yeah, we, we will spend a little bit of time, I guess, talking about it, and then we'll just very quickly... Uh, maybe just in the second half, go through some defensive stuff. We'll have to do it really quick, but whatever. Um, oh, the uh, t-shirts. We got second, um, a second wave of t-shirts in production at this moment. I think maybe what I'll do is kind of just do like a one-at-a-time one kind of deal rather than just blasting everybody at once. So hopefully before the game we'll have kind of a big reveal kind of thing, you know. I don't know. I'm just I'm poking around with this t-shirt stuff. We'll see how it goes. Um, please do not forget about the GoFundMe. Thank you very much, Dan, for your uh, donation. Very, very much appreciated. We're at six and a quarter right now. Again, we're still making very, very good progress, and if we can kind of keep up this momentum, we should be able to reach our goal of $1,000 by Christmas. Hopefully surpass it, but if we can get to 1000 that'll be very, very exciting. Uh, again, if you're new, this is a, um, a GoFundMe campaign that is for the Madison um, Childhood Cancer Foundation. And just for the skeptics out there, GoFundMe directly links all the money to their bank account. So it's not me taking it out and being like, don't worry, guys, I'll give it to them. Not taking a cut or anything. This is just something that I wanted to be able to do. And again, thank you to everyone that's uh, participating. Also, uh, Instagram, remember that the giveaway for the signed Dorsey Levin's jersey is going to conclude Sunday at noon. And on Monday, I will be reading off the winner of that. So make sure that you are following Packernet Podcast on Instagram. Find that post with the Dorsey Levin signed jersey giveaway. Follow the instructions to enter that giveaway. We're also only 14 followers away to have another giveaway. So once we get to 600, we could uh, potentially have two giveaways this week. That would be kind of nice. I think that's it. I think that's all the information. Why don't we go ahead and take our break? And we'll talk about this whole injury situation. So one of the cool things about having the podcast is that I've realized there's a very large percentage of people listening that are not from Wisconsin. 
also through social media, I've realized there's a lot of Packer fans in California. So it seems weird. It feels weird to me to be like, hey, guys, you should get some tickets to the San Francisco 49ers game. Because in my mind, everybody lives like down the street from me. Like, hey, Jim. Hey, man. Lawn looks great. By the way, you want to go to Cal? Maybe go to California? That would be a little weird. But I forget. A lot of y'all don't live in Wisconsin. There's probably fairly, eh, maybe not too close, but the ratio of California listeners to Wisconsin listeners probably isn't as divergent as I would think. The reason I bring that up is that this is actually a pretty cool opportunity for California listeners to get to see the Green Bay Packers. Now, obviously, the Chargers game was, you know, just a few weeks ago, but that was a little bit more expensive. So to all my affluent Packer listeners, I hope you enjoy the Chargers game. And hopefully you will attend another one because, I mean, why not? You're, you're doing very well for yourself. But the 49ers game, as opposed to $400 tickets, we're talking about like 170 bucks. I mean, that's pretty much what toilet paper costs out there anyway. So, I mean, I don't see why you can't go to a Packers game. Either way, if you're on the fence, I would encourage you to think about it. And if you're going, I definitely want you to tell me about it and send me all kinds of pictures and cool stuff. But just a quick pro tip. If you haven't bought the tickets and you're planning on going, make sure you use Vivid Seats. They got all the tickets that you're going to need. You're not missing out on anything. You can sort and find just the exact tickets that you want. They got the 100% buyer guarantee. You're going to get Vivid Seats rewards. And since you're in Cali, there's a lot of stuff to do out there. I'm sure there's a lot of other event tickets you're going to be buying. It'd be nice to get some rewards when you buy things. And the final little cherry on top of this sweet little dessert thing that I made for you. I don't want to be specific because maybe you're not into that specific dessert, but something else. I don't know. Cherry on the cheesecake. When it's time to buy, new users enter promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. How about that smoke, man? That's a thing kids say, right? Smoke? Except you you do want this smoke because this is good smoke, not bad smoke. What is bad smoke? What is that? Is it like a punch in the face? Like when people say that? Like you, you don't want this smoke? Is a smoke a kick? Is that what, is that what we're talking? I don't know. But you do want this smoke because it's good smoke. It's like a life-saving smoke signal. Or smoke coming out of a, uh, you know, like an oven stack at a pizza place. Mm, that's some good smoke right there. It's like that kind of smoke. VividSeats.com In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right. So as I mentioned, Green Bay Packers are very, very healthy. Something that I had talked about prior to, I don't know, a week ago or whatever, is the fact that one of the biggest differences, not only are the Packers coming out of a bye, but the 49ers have been grinding for some time. This team had a week four bye, which is like the worst bye you could possibly have. That is to say they had three games, then they had a bye, and they're on their, what is it, eighth game in a row? Eight games in a row, man. 
They're on a long home stretch, which is real nice for them. The last time they traveled was week nine, and that was Arizona. Prior to that, so, so they had home game, Arizona, which is relatively local, Seattle, which was home, Arizona, which was home, and now they got the Packers, which is home. So they've had, out of five games, they've had four home games and one that wasn't that big of a trip. But still, eight weeks is a massive grind, and things start to break down over time, and that's what we're starting to see. They actually haven't traveled much at all. They, they also played the Rams, which obviously is close. They've had three kind of long-distance games, Tampa, Cincinnati, and Washington. It's not bad. Anyways, they had two players that were limited, um, probably going to play, but you never know. One of them is defensive lineman DJ Jones. One of them is running back Raheem Mostert. Neither of those guys are super impactful, which is fine because they're probably going to play anyways. The did not participate, however, three, four, five, six of them. And these are very significant um, individuals. Number one is Joe Staley. Joe Staley is one of the best tackles in football. He also gives me a lot of hope whenever I think about the fact that we have to move on from Brian Balaga. No, we don't. Joe Staley's 58 years old. And the, the extra added benefit of that is these, this 49ers offensive line is not very good to begin with. You remove Joe Staley, who's sort of the one guy that's that's decent, and I only say decent because he's not having the best year of his entire career, um, and, and you've got just kind of nobody that's any good. McGlinchey's having a real rough year. Everybody else is kind of just having a standard year for what they are, and what they are is not very good. So that's going to make a big difference because either way, the ability to get to their quarterback is is there. There is definitely is an ability, which is going to be pretty important because he's not very good under pressure. We'll talk about that more tomorrow, I think, or the next day, whatever. I don't know. And since the Packers have two pass rushers on the outside, if both of their tackles are struggling because McGlinchey's not having a good year and their left tackle, Joe Staley, is out, it's going to be a feast. Beyond that, um, as I've mentioned, Kenny Clark still really struggling to get back to what he has been. However, as a pass rusher, he's kind of on point. Especially these last two weeks, he's been one of the top pass rushers in football. So you throw him in the mix up against a guy like Weston Richburg, Mike Person, Lakin Tomlinson, whoever it is he's, he's going to be going up against, it just becomes an, an, an impossible situation. It doesn't matter who you try to bring over to, to add a little bit of help. You know, we'll double Zadarius. Well, that's cool. You got Person and McGlinchey over there trying to double up Zadarius, but then you got one-on-ones across the board everywhere else. It's just not really going to work. And if the Packers are bringing five, then you're just you're you're doomed to begin with. So we'll we'll see exactly how this all pans out. I'm not going to make any assumptions based on play or not play at this point because everything's kind of iffy. But um, the next person on the list, another really impactful player, is Emmanuel Sanders, who they just picked up. I've been talking all year about what a great player he is. He's got a rib injury. He did not practice. Emmanuel Sanders already is the third highest graded player on their team, just right off the bat. Well, I should say third highest graded offensive player. The defense is a whole different animal, but easily their top wide receiver. I guess I shouldn't say that. He is their best wide receiver, but it's actually pretty close. But that uh, becomes a bit of an issue, especially when we pair that with the fact that Debo Samuel is also injured. He did not practice. He has a shoulder injury. Now, both of these guys are good football players. Debo Samuel, not an elite wide receiver, but solid. The wide receiver group, you know, prior to Emmanuel Sanders coming over here, the wide receiver group was pretty weak because you had Debo Samuel, who's kind of a mediocre wide receiver, as their number one, and it just was not a good situation because they had nobody else. Now you've got Emmanuel Sanders, who's a 
really solid wide receiver, and then Debo Samuel is your number two, and that's a really positive thing. If you take Emmanuel Sanders out of the equation, they go back to being kind of meh. If you take Emmanuel Sanders and Debo Samuel out of the equation, I just I don't know what to tell you, man. I just don't know what the offense is going to be able to do. So those two are going to be very, very important, um, and we'll see how it goes. If one of the two is out, I still think it puts the Packers in a really positive situation. Um, Emmanuel Sanders, if he's there by himself, Sands, Debo, Samuel. I think if Emmanuel lines up on the outside, which will probably be the case, I don't think they're going to want to do a lot of three wide with limited wide receivers. Plus, I don't think Shanahan's going to be super into that anyways. But then you got Emmanuel Sanders and Jair playing against each other. He'll get a couple passes, but for the most part, I think Jair, if he's not having a terrible day, which is certainly not a guarantee then that'll be fine. But even if he moves into the slot, as I've said, Tremont is having a fantastic year. I think he'll have a, a decent day against Emmanuel Sanders. And to be honest, I think they're going to try to keep Emmanuel Sanders away from Tremont, as weird as that sounds, and just hope that they can kind of manipulate Jair into making, you know, being overly aggressive or whatever the situation might be. Um, let's see, who else? I'm trying to think who's the least important of this group. Probably Matt Breida. Matt Breida's been kind of banged up all year. He didn't practice. He has an ankle injury. Um, the 49ers are very, very good at running the ball. And it's not necessarily even the running backs, because no matter who's back there, they find a way to succeed. Matt Breida was a great example of that. He was a guy that just kind of got thrust in there because of a pile of injuries, and he did great. He had fantastic success. Um, he's a decent enough running back. The, the offense isn't graded that highly. So when I say Matt Breida is the fourth highest graded offensive player, it sounds more impressive than it is. He, he's got a grade of 75, so good, not great. Um, if he doesn't go, as far as running backs, Tevin Coleman... Another good, not great player, but that, I mean, it's, it's going to hurt a little bit, you know? It would be like, oh, it's it's not like this, but it would be kind of like if Aaron Jones went down and Jamal was kind of your guy. It's fine, but you kind of wish Aaron Jones was there. It's like that, but, you know, on a different scale. I don't think that duo is really on the same level. So, sort of big news, not huge, but, you know, if he doesn't play, that's another weapon that they're down. After that, another really big issue, D Ford quadricep and hamstring injury so his thigh is all jacked up that is a a very big uh development because this defensive line is just insane um they've struggled with the guys that they've had eric armstead is having easily the best year of his career they moved these guys to the inside which is what needed to happen all their edge rush guys were basically interior guys so they're using them in their strength deforest buckner's having a good year but you know he's been good on the interior especially for quite a long time so you get eric armstead and deforest buckner on the inside where they belong and they're thriving you got uh, nick bosa who's having an unbelievable year sixth highest graded edge rusher in football and then you got d ford who's really just continuing the success he had last year he's not quite as highly graded but still right up there so you take d ford out of the equation it's still a really good defensive line but it's going to give the packers a little bit of breathing room um it's not a guarantee but just having this onslaught of ford armstead buckner and bosa aaron Rodgers is just going to be under under constant assault and that's just not a great situation it'd be better if we could just try to handle bosa and hopefully give aaron Rodgers. i mean there's there's i'm assuming there's going to be a sack or two in this game right it just ford or not Aaron Rodgers is probably going to hit the dirt a, a few times. So if we can minimize that and, um, you know, D Ford being out is going to help, then that's going to give the Packers a, a pretty big pretty big boost. But we're not done. Probably the most impactful person in this game that is currently not playing is George Kittle. Knee and ankle injury. There's some optimism that he's going to play. He's been out for two weeks now. He sounds like he's in really bad shape, but they're they're really wanting to get him back. He is, I think, the highest-graded player on the team. 
He is. He has an elite grade, 93.7. 94 is his grade as a receiver. He's just an absolute freak, top tight end in football. Um, that That's going to be the biggest swing. If, if he doesn't play, it really, really is going to help the defense be able to kind of just play somewhat simplistic. You know, you don't have to account for this tight end that's just doing all kind of crazy stuff. It's really just a matter of line up, stop their wide receivers, line up, stop the run, just just straight up football, you know. Not that the 49ers are going to make it simple on you because they're a very complex defense but or offense, but it's just going to help a lot. That's going to be the biggest piece in this equation. And with all these guys playing, it becomes really a difficult game to win. With all these guys out, it becomes, I don't want to say an easy game to win, but the Packers at their best should absolutely be able to beat that team. So we'll see who's playing, who's not playing, and try to assess what's going on from that point. But uh, that's all I just about got for you on that. Uh, kicker Robbie Gold, I kept hearing, was injured. Uh, he does have a right quadricep injury, but he was not actually. There's he, there's nothing listed on the report. It doesn't say he participated, didn't participate, limited participation. It's just a blank spot. So I don't I don't know what that means. But obviously that's pretty Im- important as well. Uh, yeah, let's take a break, and then we'll talk about the draft a little bit. We'll look at some defensive pieces. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's let's do what we kind of did last time, or what we generally do, which is kind of go inside out. Looking at defensive line first and foremost. First of all, top guys. Derek Brown is sort of top dog right now. He is probably pending some kind of massive drop way out of the reach of the Green Bay Packers. Same seems to be true of Javon Kinlaw, who has just flown up the boards. Um, Very, very talented pass rusher. Somewhat of a do-everything guy, but I think that's more or less his strength is is getting after the quarterback from the interior. One of the guys, however, and I know a lot of people aren't going to like this, but somebody that I, I did a video of last year. I just went nuts because I was super excited about the guy. I made a video watching some of his film, just screaming. It's where I developed the term bear paws because he just got raw power. Uh, the first defensive lineman that is kind of in the range of where the Packers are going to be would be Alabama defensive tackle Raquan Davis. Now, I don't know what he's going to be in terms of a pass rusher, but I just absolutely love this guy. And I honestly think for what the Packers are looking for, you know, what 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 is it that Mike Pettin is obsessed with? Really big guys with really long arms that are actually sort of lean. Raquan Davis is six foot seven, but only three hundred and nine pounds. So he's relatively trim, but he's got raw power. He's got long arms so that you can really keep the guy in front of you away. He's got an elite run defense grade. For example, the first positive that is said about Raquan Davis right here in this draft guide length that creates serious issues for offensive linemen can dictate first contact. That's what Petten wants. Sinks his hips and churns feet surprisingly well on the bull rush for a taller defensive lineman. 
Not content to sit on blocks versus the run, locks out and looks to shed. That's exactly what Petten wants. So much power behind his hands, which is exactly what I said last year. Takes down running backs one-handed with ease. I'm telling you, go watch the video I made last year if you can find it. Maybe I'll try to repost that. I just, I, I got so excited. His ability, he, he sacked quarterbacks with his hand. I watched him get to the court while he's semi being blocked, put one hand in a quarterback's chest and take him down. When he's, you know, you look at guys like Kenny Clark, and I, I love Kenny Clark, and it's, it's not just him, it's pretty much a lot of these guys. When they are being blocked and they reach out with one hand and guys just run through with ease, this is a guy who has so much power in his hands that he grabs him by the shirt and rips him down like rag dolls. I, I, what I really like is guys, and I understand there's more to football than this, but I, I just can't help it. This is why I'm not a scout. I'm just a fan, and I love just having guys that I'm fans of. I'm completely content with scouts saying he's not that good, he's got weaknesses, all that. I don't care. He's got the attributes I like. I like freakish, dominant players. He might be weak in some areas, but in certain areas he is just he, he's one of those guys that if I'm about to get into a fight, I'm taking Raekwon Davis with me, and he's going to whoop the whole room. We're going to walk into a bar and just whoop everybody in that bar. And by we, I mean him, and maybe I'll go kick somebody that he's, he's grabbing. I mean, and again, remember, it's the length that, that our defensive coordinator really likes. The run defense is a weakness of our team. Um, here, here is the, the bottom line on Raekwon Davis. There is a glaring reason why Davis returned this year, and it's his pass rushing production. While he has absurd length that neither Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, nor Quinnen Williams had, Davis needs more pass rush moves to join them in round one. That's fine. I get that. He currently right now has a pass rush win rate of 12.2%, which in the NFL is is fantastic. That's that's Kenny Clark numbers right there. But in college, it's a little bit different, right? Kenny Clark would be getting like 18, 19, 20% in college. So it's not exactly what you want. But again, as just a pure run defender, and I, I, I think with the Mike Pettin scheme, it's a little less important. It is important. Pass rush on the interior is always important. But when you've got great pass rushers on the outside and you have a system that kind of just says we want dominant, strong defensive linemen to hold the point of attack so that the other guys can, can do this, so that linebackers can come around and clean up, can shoot gaps, our edge rushers can get to the quarterback, all this different stuff. I, I just, I, I really like it. And I understand we got maybe bigger needs, although being able to stop the run is pretty important. I mean, he, you know, Derek Brown has a slightly higher run defense grade, but again, he's way, way out of reach. I'm just, I'm just a fan. That's all I'm telling you. If you don't like him, that's fine. And, and I have not watched him since last year, so maybe things have changed. I doubt that. But he's just one of those guys that gets me excited. He kind of gets me excited to the same degree that Leonard Williams had. And I know Leonard Williams was a much better prospect as far as pass rush and all that. But just being dominant at the point of attack and everybody being in front of him just being like a little boy. And, and again, not to the same degree that Leonard Williams treated offensive linemen, but the way he handles smaller guys... It just, I mean, it just, he's just a bad man. And I really, I should really move on because I'm taking too much time on this. He just gets me excited, man. That's all there is to it. Um, after that is a man by the name of Marvin Wilson, who is actually PFF's number one highest graded defensive tackle. He's number 29 on my list. He is a nose tackle out of Florida State, six foot five, 315 pounds. Now, this is another guy that, you know, I haven't watched, but, you know, PFF has him graded number one uh, above. Uh, Javon Kinlaw, who they have two, and Derek Brown, who they have three. So in this case, Derek Brown is not out of reach for the Packers. But another guy with almost an identical run defense grade to Mr. Raekwon Davis. However, a much higher pass rush grade, an 81.2. 
and a 15.1% pass rush rate. So a guy that supposedly is as good as a run defender, you know, he's, he's more of a nose tackle, which becomes problematic because that's where they play Kenny Clark primarily. Not that that can't change, but 6'5", 315, that's probably what they would do with him. Depending on his athleticism and whatnot, I'm not really sure how that would all pan out or how dogmatic Petten is about those things. The other cool thing, he's very young like Kenny Clark. He's 20 years old. Uh, the, the bottom line on him, they say Wilson may only be 20 years old, but he plays like a grown man. Wilson is your quintessential nose tackle who's surprisingly advanced as a pass rusher. We need to see three-down consistency before putting him in the Dexter Lawrence-Vita Vea territory. Now, the Packers are not super high on those types of guys. Vita Vea, Dex- you know, they haven't been touching the nose tackle type guys, but that could just be by, you know, happenstance. and Maybe it just happened to be that way. But another raw, I, I got to go watch him because I'm excited. He just looks like an absolute beast. He's one of those guys that's 315 pounds, but his arms are just completely ripped. You know, he's he's got a gut, but he's just jacked if you look at his arms. Um, you know, some of the, the positive notes, bench presses centers. Special ability to fire off low at his size, which is huge. Uh, for a big guy that's, that's not only 315 pounds, but 6'5", to fire off low, how do you block a guy like that? The answer is you kind of can't. It's also something that does translate to the NFL. You know, it's not something that, if you're just a big dude that stands up and bench presses people in college, I'm going to look at that and say that's a very big negative because that's not going to work in the NFL. You're not going to bench press Corey Lindsley because he will just throw you on your head. Uh, real good balance, which is also important when you're getting smoked around, you know, especially if you're tall and, and 315 again. You know, if, if you stand up and get knocked to the side, having balance to be able to, to regain and to attack, whether it's the running back or the quarterback or whatever. Vicious SWAT says he's got hands like magnets, which are attracted to uh, offensive linemen, shoulder pads. And the, the exciting thing about this is everything about him says raw power, but every all the positives that they're laying out are technique and fundamental things that you need to have, right? Real good hands, real good balance, ability to stay low, uh, the ability to take on double team, pass rush moves and counters. So he's definitely going to be top of the list of guys to watch. It's going to be a fun weekend because I'm, I'm going all in on the draft this weekend. Um, as far as my board, that's kind of it for first round. And in fact, there's only two guys really right now that are kind of second round territory. Um, so Marvin Wilson, I have 29th overall. After that is 50th overall, Neville Gallimore out of Oklahoma. And then at 63 at the back of the second round, uh, Natane Muti out of Fresno State. So a couple really good uh, first round guys in Derek Brown, Javon Kinlaw, Raquan Davis, and Marvin Wilson. Just based on the way PFF has this laid out, you could see why Raekwon is not a first-round talent for them. Because although he's really good against the run, and, and I love the guy very, very much, that sounded weird. That was that was a weird way to say that. I, I, I appreciate him to a large degree. You did not hear that first thing. You only heard the second thing. Let's move on. Wow, that was that was. I'm scaring myself a little bit. But if if you can get the Raekwon Davis sort of play out of Derek Brown and Marvin Wilson. There's no reason why you wouldn't take them with their advanced pass rush ability. Now, Javon Kinlaw is a bigger question mark as far as his ability to stop the run. So a lot of people aren't going to care because a pass rushing interior defensive lineman is, is more than satisfactory for a lot of defensive schemes. But I think for the Packers in particular, especially with the, um, the growth and advancement of the edge rush ability, it kind of takes a little bit of pressure off of the need to have an interior pass rusher. And, and actually, now that I think about it, uh, Marvin Wilson, sort of a, a nose-tackle-type body who requires a double team, is going to help a guy like Kenny Clark leaps and bounds. A guy that you're going to need to double up. I mean, just just think about that. If, if Marvin Wilson's only duty is to require a double team because he's 
just raw power at six foot five, 315 pounds, it's just game over. And if you're trying to run the ball and you feel the need to double team maybe Kenny Clark because he's just a better football player, then you've got this six foot five, 315 pound guy that's just going to take your guard, throw him on the back of his head, and take your running. I mean, it just it just excites me. I know everybody's not really on the defensive line train, although I think that's maybe turning around. I do think that's a very legitimate first round option. The the production from the defensive line has been huge. You look at the impact that we've had. And, and how many times the defense has come up big because of guys like Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith. If we have that same kind of impact from a defensive lineman who can come up big on third down or second down or whatever, but also really help against the run, to the point at which it's like, what can we do? We can't run the ball, we can't pass the ball, and if we, I mean, we got to get the ball out quick. I, I just think that's one of the, the better things, and it's frustrating because we've invested a lot in it. But it's also had a very good return on investment as far as, you know, Kenny Clark was a very good investment. Um, and, yeah, we've got some later round guys, but I just, I'm just i just not as optimistic in the later round guys as a lot of other people. Like, well, let's see what Kingsley can do. I just, beyond that also, there, there's, there's rotation. There's a ton of rotation, so Kingsley still has a role. We're not benching him full time. This isn't like getting a quarterback that's just going to sit on the bench. This is this is a position that rotates constantly. So yeah, we need more bodies, we need better bodies. Just let's just do it. I'm all I'm all in on it, man. I'm all in on on defensive linemen being a very very legitimate option at the back of the first round. Um edge rusher, obviously not going to be that big of a need for the Green Bay Packers. Chase Young, absolute freak. He's number 1 on just about everybody's board. It's possible he doesn't go number 1 overall depending on what team probably the Bengals is going to be there and their desire for a quarterback, which is probably very high. So a quarterback could absolutely go number 1, possibly number 2 depending on what the it just depends on the team. But I think it's pretty unanimous Chase Young is the top guy. After that AJ Epinesa, um I'm not as big on him. I get it. He is just raw power to the extreme. I just worry you know, is he going to be sort of a Chandler Jones kind of guy? Because he, he, I, I call the guy Frankenstein. He's very, very tall, very up and down, and it's just kind of hard to win when you're that big to, to be able to get low. Um, but he, he's, he's almost kind of got like a J.J. Watt component to him. When you watch him run and track people down, it's sort of this, you know, I mean, he looks like Frankenstein, but really fast. So I, I could see him being a fantastic football player, but I could also see some of these problems being things that just – cause him to not succeed in the NFL, but I have no problem with him being considered a top 10 guy. Um, Yatur Gross Matos is one of the people that I really want to watch, and he's at 26 right now, which would make him back of the first. Again, I don't expect the Packers to take a pass rusher. That would just be ridiculous, but he's somebody I want to watch because when I watched last year's tape, he was one of those guys that I said, he's extremely raw. He looks terrible. I wouldn't touch him with a first round pick. However, he's got flashes of looking like a Miles Garrett, the real long, lanky, um, what, whatever, speed, bend, but long arms and can just kind of shed guys and stuff. There's flashes of it. So if he can kind of hone that, he could be a really top pass rush guy, but I don't really know. Um, otherwise, you've got Julian Oquara, who's at 27, which would make him a first-round prospect out of Notre Dame. Curtis Weaver, outside linebacker out of Auburn. Um, Kalevan Chason out of LSU. Alton Robinson, we're kind of in the second-round territory. Alton Robinson, defensive end out of Syracuse. Kenny Willickis, defensive end out of Michigan State. So th- there's a good, um, you know, third-round guys. There's still a, a huge pile. Carlos Basham out of Wake Forest. Anthony Jennings, who I really, really didn't like out of Alabama last year. Jonathan uh, Greenard. Anthony Jennings for me, and again, I haven't watched him this year. He is the, uh, what was his name out of Clemson? Austin Bryant. Austin Bryant at one point was sort of a first-round prospect, and I had no idea why. Then he kind of slipped into the second and slipped into the – he just kind of went later and later, and now he's not even getting on the field. I think he's been injured. 
but it's just he he was one of those guys that's like I don't know why anybody would even draft the guy. I just I don't see anything. That was when I saw Anthony Jennings. That was my thought. Again, this was this might have even been well, it was it was last year because I thought he was going to be in the draft. Anthony Jennings, but he went back, and I I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Bradley and I, Utah, just just lots and lots and lots and lots of edge rushers all the way through, and it's not like there's a, a big gap where it's like you know. You got to get him here. It's just you know at at one, at nine, at twenty six, twenty seven, thirty, forty four, fifty two, sixty six, seventy one, seventy five, ninety four, ninety eight, one oh seven, one fourteen, one twenty one. I mean, like every seven picks, there's an edge rusher. So they're really evenly distributed. Pretty much at any point in the draft, if you want to grab an edge rusher, you can. At what point do I think the Packers want to draft an edge rusher? If I mean, let me, let me rephrase that. At what point does it become not ridiculous to draft an edge rusher? I know there's that thing about you can never have too many. And I suppose right now we just have the two. We don't have a lot of depth outside of that, so it's not super ridiculous. But also we have Rashawn Gary, who they expect to take a big leap at some point. There was that thing on Twitter that somebody threw out saying something to the effect that he is the, the, what was it, the best improvement over the last five games compared to his first five games. So that's somewhat positive to consider, I suppose. I, I don't know. Just just not first round, all right? I mean, I, I guess if they take him anywhere, I, I'm generally of the opinion that I trust Brian Gutekunst, and if he takes him, especially early, then it's one of those things where I know they didn't want to take an edge rusher, so if they are, it's because he's just way ahead of everybody else, so there's that, but it's still a little frustrating because it's like we need a defensive lineman, we need a wide receiver, we need certain things, offensive lineman, depending on what we're doing, linebacker, we definitely need that, but, you know, whatever. It is what it is. Don't have a problem taking an edge rusher. I do have a problem passing on positions of bigger need. Uh, Speaking of, linebacker is up next. Uh, In the, I I mentioned we were going to do a bit of a mock draft. I did first round yesterday just to kind of mess around. Uh, Kenneth Murray ended up being the first round pick. It's still running, but as of right now, he was the top guy. Not surprisingly, uh, middle linebacker out of Oklahoma. Um, it would have been Isaiah Simmons or Dylan Moses, but I didn't add them to the list because Isaiah Simmons currently is number eight overall. He has flown up the boards. Isaiah Simmons was behind Dylan Moses. I know it was, um, I believe, Tony Pauline at one point had said Dylan Moses is his number one overall prospect. Really, really liked Dylan Moses. I don't know if he still has that same kind of energy for him. But Isaiah Simmons has surpassed him by a lot. Dylan Moses, sort of that middle middle of the first round linebacker type. Uh, Isaiah Simmons in the in the top ten conversation right now out of Clemson. But um, in terms of being in range for the Packers, Kenneth Murray right now thirty first overall. He's a riser. Terrell Lewis out of Alabama, maybe late first, early second kind of territory. I don't have another linebacker until eighty six overall. So it's one of those situations where if we need a linebacker, it becomes important to do it quickly. Now the Packers don't really have a problem with. What's going on in my throat here? I can't get rid of it either. They don't have a problem with mid-round talent, and some of the mid-round talent, guys like Troy Dye out of Oregon, Monty Rice, Georgia, Jacob Phillips, LSU, Daryl Taylor, Tennessee, Malik Harrison, uh, Ohio State, Shaquille Quarterman, Miami, Marcus Bailey, Purdue, Patty Fisher, Northwestern, uh, Josh Uchi, Joshua Uchi out of Michigan. I don't know how you say his name. I know his name because I have to keep changing his name from Joshua to Josh, but I don't know other side of that. Uh, David Woodward, Keandre Jones, Willie Gay, Chaz Surratt. Pretty good pile of, of third, fourth round guys, which obviously we would like to get a first round, second round talent. Packers, again, do not seem to mind getting mid-round guys. That's where they got Oren. That's where they got uh, Blake. That's where they got Jake. So I wouldn't be super surprised if the first round, it's wide receiver, it's defensive lineman, it's, it's uh, you know, whatever. Offensive tackle, offensive guard, offensive center, something else. And then, you know, 
and ends up being linebacker in the third round or something to that effect. But who knows? The way my board is right now, you're kind of looking at Jacob Phillips, Daryl Taylor as kind of a late third round option, possibly Malik Harrison, something like that. So wouldn't be the worst idea. I, th- I think the important thing is what are we looking for in a linebacker, right? Because one of the one of the things we know we want is somebody that can cover, but at the same time, one of the biggest problems we have is against the run. So when you're starting to look at mid-round talent, you have a problem because anybody that's really good against the run and really good in coverage is a first-round linebacker. When you get to the middle rounds, you're kind of either choosing between a really good run defender or a really good cover guy, or you're looking at somebody that can do both but is not very good at either. And you're kind of just hoping to unveil this diamond in the rough, a guy that should have been a first or second round prospect that slid for some reason. And that does become problematic, especially for, and I understand the Packers don't want to invest a lot, but that's a problem for the Packers because they they put so much on one guy. So how can you have one guy at linebacker primarily, but also not invest in the kind of talent, like first round talent, that where you can find guys that can play the run and the pass? So it kind of is a conundrum, at least in my mind. I don't know. Uh, Moving out to cornerback, I don't think it's impossible. I don't know what the situation is. I know Tremont is at the end of his contract. I would obviously love to bring him back. He's Again, I think he is our top corner right now. He's playing great football. He's thriving in the slot. I'm not just hung up on his age. The guy can still play. He's a professional. He's extremely intelligent. He does a good job with his body. He takes care of himself. He's a great leader in the locker room. There's no reason to say, well, he's old. Let's get rid of him. That's silly. However, you know, King has not proven to be what we thought he would be. Jair, you know, we're not going to start questioning Jair necessarily, but... what exactly is it that's telling us we can't get another corner? Just, just to have one. And I'm not necessarily saying first round, but I don't want to say we're not going to draft a corner in this draft. Would second round or third round be ridiculous? And, you know, there's also injury concerns. Kevin King is, is very regularly injured, and if we lose somebody, who's stepping up in that spot? So perhaps somebody with some outside-inside ability. Or here's the other thing, and I, I know this isn't going to be the most popular option but Jair Alexander was considered a slot corner when we drafted him and the question was is he going to be good enough because I I even said and I thought it was this revolutionary kind of idea that maybe he'll even play on the outside if he's one of those guys that's so good he can play on the inside and the outside he's just now a, a he's just outside that's it he could go back to being an inside outside guy if we get rid of Tremont not that I want to we shouldn't but if if Tremont is gone and we draft a really good boundary corner, what you have is a situation where if you have two wide receivers, it's Kevin King or this other guy, if he ends up being better than King, which is not impossible, and Jair. And then if they go three wide, Jair goes in the slot, and you have Kevin King and this other guy. It's not a wasted pick. And so let's just explore it. As of right now, Jeffrey Okuda is number one out of Ohio State, probably out of reach. After that, Christian Fulton out of LSU, probably out of reach, but who knows? Then you got Trayvon Diggs out of Alabama. He's currently at 21. He's probably, I mean, there's definitely potential. He's not assuredly out of reach, but currently where I have him, he would be. Then you get to C.J. Henderson out of Florida, 32nd overall, perfectly placed because the Packers are going to win the Super Bowl. He would be the guy. If you start looking at second-round prospects, Bryce Hall out of Virginia, A.J. Terrell out of Clemson, Paulson Adebo, guy who's fallen a bit. He was a first-round guy at one point, but Paulson Adebo out of Stanford, Sean Wade out of Ohio State, Jalen Johnson out of Utah, and then kind of late second-ish Cam Dantzler out of Mississippi State. So there's a lot of them, and there's a lot of the, the bigger guys. 
little bit of everything. And I, I don't necessarily hate the idea, especially, you know, I'm trying to dance around it a little bit, but there's there's the King issue with, in my opinion, talent, although I don't think the Packers necessarily agree. I think they like Kevin King a lot, which is fine. But there's also the injury issue, which hasn't propped up this year. You got the Tremont issue. Kevin King also has a contract coming up at some point, not this year, but in the near future. Um, there is what I believe to be a lack of depth behind the starters. You know, we'll see what happens with the the rookie we picked up, but I, you know, I don't, I don't know that I have a ton of confidence. I, I think the bigger issue for me is that most fans look at it and say, we, we need this and that's it. So we can only draft a linebacker or something else in the first round and that's it. And we can only draft, and if you go through a draft and it's not, it's basically just a list of, of, they don't even care about the players. A mock draft should just look like a list of, of most important needs. They're not even looking at the player, they're just looking at position. So the first round pick should be a linebacker, the second round pick should be a wide receiver, the third, that's how most fans, do. that's not how it works, man. We're looking at players, we're looking at talent, and we're kind of looking at big picture. And all I'm saying is I don't think that if I'm looking at if I'm looking at a list of let's just say I have everybody of every position at exactly the same grade. So I've got a quarterback, I've got a wide receiver, I got da, 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 down the line, exact same grade. Which ones am I completely ruling out because it's the first round? I'll rule out quarterback, I can rule out running back because we don't need one and because of the, you know, fact that you don't generally want to take one in the first round. You go down the list all I'm saying is I'm not taking cornerback off the list. It's not my highest priority by a long shot, but I also I I want to. This this is a learned skill, the ability to not overreact to the fact that a team drafted something that I didn't find to be a need, because that's the, the teams don't really care. Cornerback is an absolutely pivotal, crucial position, and again, similar to. What I said about edge rusher, the only real problem I have with it is the fact that we're not addressing more crucial needs, and that is a problem. But in a vacuum, there's nothing wrong with drafting a cornerback. So that that is my current list of corners. I don't expect them to take... I, I do expect them to draft a corner, similar to edge rusher, at some point. Although I'll probably put it higher on the list for corner. But I don't necessarily think it's first round. Uh, I kind of don't want it to be second round because we've had no success with second round DBs. Yeah, I said it. But I, I, I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world to take a flyer on a you know slot corner in the third round or something to that effect. Just see if we can get a little bit of a more depth at the position. And then finally, safety. It's kind of similar. It's, it's more of a depth thing. Obviously, we've got our top two, but the Packers like to play three. And you've got a situation where I don't think, you know, the, the, the Packers are, are like a lot of teams where they like everybody to be able to play every position. I want you to be able to play free, to play strong, and play in the box. And I think they can all do that. Now, they all have different strengths. I think Adrian Amos could actually be a very good box safety. So getting another safety, again, this is something that if, if we draft the safety, people are going to flip out. Why are you doing that? We have Amos and we have Savage. We don't need a safety. Well, okay. But if you do get a safety, and let's say, you know, there's really only... There's not that many. This is not a good year for safeties. Grant Delpit is way out of reach. Then you have Xavier McKinney, who's kind of right in that sweet spot. I've got him 33 overall. The next highest graded safety I have is 60th overall. Um, Hamsa Nasiruddin. I've literally never seen that name before. Surprising, because usually crazy spelled names pop up on my thing a lot, but I have not seen him before. Um, but let's just say it's Xavier McKinney, who is a, a, a strong safety. I don't know his... At well, let's, let's look him up. 
So he seems to actually be pretty well-rounded in terms of his grade. Um, he's got an 80 basically run defense grade, an 80 coverage grade. Actually pretty balanced there. Um, according to PFF, he's got slot coverage skills, which is important. Sticky underneath route tree, blitz weapon of the, on the Alabama defense. 11 pressures last season on 37 rushes, which is important. So he does kind of fit that mold, right? He's, he's got a 74.7 inside the box grade, which sounds low, but in terms of uh, compared to the average, it's actually relatively high. It's one of his highest um, attributes in comparison to other safeties. His highest attribute is actually his deep grade, covering deep. So he can play free. He can play strong. He can play box. It fits, right? And I know we've got Raven Green. I know, I know we've got other guys that you like. I'm just saying I'm not taking it off the list. This is a pick that if the Packers took him, everybody would flip out. I don't think it's the worst possible thing. Not my not my top priority, absolutely. But I, I think the important thing when the draft comes, and this is kind of the frame of mind I try to get in because there's guys that I like and there's certain things that I don't want them to do, and it's just I don't want to feel the crushing defeat is to think about the positive. Of course I want to get Raekwon, and Raekwon is there, and come on, just get him, and they don't get him, and then they end up getting a safety, and it's like, what are you dummies doing? Just pause and think about it for a second. Think about the potential of, let's just say Xavier McKinney ends up being our top safety, or even just in the same arena as Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage in terms of potential and talent. And you've got this this trio of guys that you can just interchange, you put interchangeably anywhere. And you've got a guy that's now in the box that can complement. And by the way, how important is that when we're lacking at talent and linebacker to have somebody in the box that can do a really good job of, let's say, Xavier McKinney's there. He's very good in coverage. He's really good against the run. And he's really, really adept at blitzing. That's not the worst. That That's nothing to, like, put your fist through your television over. Right? So, you know, is it my top pick? No, it's not. In fact, I would like to know in the Facebook group, because this is where we're going to close, because i got to get going. Tell me, and I'll, I'll try to create a thread. Tell me who is your dream pick for the Packers in the first round. Try to keep it realistic. Not, you know, Grant Delpit. Not anybody that's out of reach. Somebody that you think is realistic, end of the first round. Um, you know, maybe they slide, that's fine. But just, just keep it semi-realistic. Who is just the one that you're just obsessed with? I And, and, and you know, the crazier the better. If it's, I've had some people give me some videos yesterday of wide receivers, real excited. They were really fun to watch. I just, I mean, I get excited and I get excited when other people get excited. And I, I like when people get excited about their guy. Not just because so-and-so told you, because Matt Miller says so. Don't Don't be that guy. Go find somebody that you just latch on to and tell me who that person is that, that, you know, I don't really care. Even if it's like a third-round guy. Like, I know he's not a first-rounder, but I, I want this guy on the team so bad. I just want to know who that is because I want to go watch him. And I want, you know, it's, it'll be fun for everybody else that's into the draft to kind of have that ability to see those names and go check them out. By the way, um, here you want, you want to know somebody else that really fits the prototype of what the Packers are looking for? Listen to this description of Xavier McKinney, and I know people are getting mad at me for, for pushing this. McKinney doesn't have wow a lot, or do, excuse me, McKinney doesn't wow a lot, but he lives up to the safe in safety. If that doesn't just scream Mike Patton and Brian Gutekunst, right, we're not looking at the extremes, we're looking for safe. Adrian Amos, Zadarius, Preston, Rashawn, right, these are guys that are just kind of safe. I mean, well, Rashawn is really high athleticism and all that stuff, but, you know, really good against the run. He's not just, like, really good at one thing and not the other thing. You know, Savage obviously is, is extreme in one area, but he's kind of good across the board. If there was a theme for the defense this past year, it was safe, right? Guys that are just good tacklers, good against this, good against that. And it just so happens that some of them really flashed and suddenly are the best pass rushers in football. I don't know where that came from, but awesome. 
But anyways, I mean, he he just he fits the prototype. So anyways, very, very fun to talk about this. Um, very excited to kind of dig in, and I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing some of the guys that you really like. But we'll leave it at that, and as the season progresses, we'll try to slip in a little bit more draft here and there. But uh, anyways, you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.